Hello and welcome to At First Glance, a podcast where we take a glance at movies, television, comic books, and anime, and let you know if it's worth a second. I'm your host, Jeremy McKinley, and today we are talking about No Time to Die, the final entry into the Daniel Craig James Bond series. Now, as I lay on my couch listening to the Roland Shaw Orchestra playing the old Bond standards, I thought about Daniel Craig's run as James Bond. I remember seeing Casino Royale with my nephew one night and not really having any expectations and within the first 25 minutes having my mind thoroughly blown. From the amazing free-running chase to the sparkling relationship with Ava Green's Vesper to the tension-filled poker scenes, Royale just had it all. And then we got Quantum of Solace, uh, a movie that most people hate, but... When I saw it, um, I thought it was on the great side of decent. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot, but it wasn't Royale. Then came Skyfall. And all I have to say about that is, damn. But then came along that haunting specter. That oh-so-hauntingly boring specter. It's weird to think that a mere thought of an action film directed by one Sam Mendes, the guy who blew the doors off with Skyfall, could put a grown man to sleep. But here we are. Now, at the end of the trail, we have No Time to Die, directed by Kerry Fukunaga. Now, I've never seen one of his films, but I can tell you that anyone who directs a film like Beasts of No Nation is a person to watch. So I went into this with cautious optimism. Uh... What I got was something better than Spectre in Quantum, but still not as rewatchable as Quantum for me. I'll start with the positive. Craig is much better than he was in Spectre. More present in his performance, uh, any scene where he had to act without talking is where he really shines, and that's not meant to be an insult. There's a scene where his bulletproof car is given the body and Clyde treatment, and while his love interest, played by Leah Sado, is understandably freaking out, he just sits there absorbing the idea that she may have betrayed him. As the glass gets weaker and weaker from a repeated shotgun blast, he just sits there processing his emotions. And I loved every second of it. I also want to shout out Anna de Armas as Paloma, quite possibly the most fun I've had watching a Bond girl since Ava Green. Her entire team-up sequence in Cuba with Bond was the most fun I had in the entire movie. And it was good to see those two again after they worked so well in Knives Out. Also, I want to do a quick acknowledgement of Billy Magnuson as one of the only bad guys with any real personality in this movie. Uh, his creepy fanboy smile and over-the-top energy injected some real life into scenes that would have been pretty forgettable otherwise. Another positive for this film was an action scene set in a fog-filled forest. Uh, it, it kind of reminded me of the sandstorm scene from Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, but slower paced. I could list all the other action set pieces and how good they were, but it would get monotonous. It's all staged, for the most part, very well, and the cinematography is great and at sometimes gorgeous. But if you've noticed, I've not mentioned most of the other characters or the plot, and that's because they're pretty much an afterthought. A long, drawn-out, boring afterthought. And that's the major offense of any action movie, and that's to be too slow. And to have these slow moments be just emotionally uninteresting. The film spent a lot of time explaining the plot, 
but at the same time acknowledging how Bond and the gang have done this rodeo many, many times before and that we, the audience, shouldn't care about the details. Details like the villain's motivation or what the villain's plan actually is or when that plan will be executed so we, the audience, know how close the ticking clock is from zero. And because the movie isn't interested in telling us, it makes the ending of the film kind of a slog to watch. There's a cool stairway gunfight, mind you, but there's no tension because it's never made clear what or where the metaphorical bomb is and how long he has until it goes off. And also, it doesn't help that the movie is about 30 minutes too long. The acting in this film is, for the most part, fine, but no one is really a standout minus the people I mentioned earlier. Uh, the last gripe I would say I have in this film is with Bond's love interest, Madeline, played by Leah Seydoux. Now, I know she is a good actor, but her chemistry with Bond was flatter than a day-old beer. I didn't get the connection inspector, and I definitely didn't get it here. And this would be a minor problem with most other Bond girls, but this movie places such a heavy emphasis on it. For example, there is a very emotional scene at the end that should have had me tearing up. It was definitely meant to have the audience like tear up as uh, the, uh, the climax crescendos. But because I didn't care about them as a couple, it just kind of fell flat for me. All in all, this was an okay send-off to the Craig era of Bond. Some good action, some beautiful visuals, and some good acting sprinkled throughout. It's disappointing, but it's better than the last one, and I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Now, if I were to rank the Craig movies for anyone listening, I would say Skyfall and Casino are tied for first place. I really can't put one over the other. Next up is Quantum, and then No Time to Die, and then Spectre. So, thank you for joining me for At First Glance. You can find us on the Podbean app, and you can also find us on the Apple Podcast app. I'm Jimmy McKinley, and thank you for joining me.